In this episode of Forge and Anvil, we will talk about the young men arrested in Wisconsin for reading the Bible aloud in protest towards a child drag show. Next, we'll talk all about how the governor of Illinois signed a bill allowing illegal aliens to become police officers. We'll talk about whether or not this is a trend from a blue state that we want to uh, import across the country or not. And then finally, Caitlyn Jenner attacks Ron DeSantis for daring to paint Jenner as a deviant, which leads us to ask the question of the century, what is a woman? Welcome in, everyone. Thank you for joining us at Forge and Anvil. It's our Monday night live stream. If you're watching this on one of our podcast platforms, feel free to join us sometime for a Monday night stream. Uh, we stream live on YouTube and Rumble, and we take your chats. My name is Connor. I'm hosting this podcast, and I am joined by two first-time guests tonight, the first of which is Haley Kennington. So, Haley, please tell the audience who you are and what you do. Well, hey, guys. Thank you for having me. Um, I was the researched director and story editor for Daily Wire's What is a Woman. I was also research director and story editor for The Plot Against the President. I'm a journalist and I'm the newest, uh, the news editor for Wrong Speak Publishing. So thanks for having me. Welcome. Glad to have you. And another first time guest is Andrew Jackson. Mm-hmm. So Andrew, same question to you. Yeah, well, I was a senior leadership uh, pastor in two large churches for 22 years. I'm an author. Um, I've been involved in the Middle East for 30 years, and I was a professor. Now I'm running for the Arizona House of Representatives in in Gilbert, Arizona, which is in the East Valley of Phoenix. Excellent. Well, glad to have you. We'll definitely talk a little bit about your candidacy as a uh, as uh, it becomes relevant to the conversation. And then, of course, as always, regular co-host Michael Aper. Hello, friends. I'm a God-fearing student of Scripture, and I'd love to see the righteousness of God brought upon the people of God. Excellent. And if you have not already followed us on Twitter, feel free to do that, at Forge and A. Let's get into our first story. This is from The Sentinel. It was worth it. Young street preacher arrested at Wisconsin drag event. Police arrested and detained several young people in Waterton, Wisconsin on Saturday while they were preaching the gospel at a public drag event targeted toward children. Video circulated on social media showing multiple police arrests, uh, police officers, excuse me, arresting Marcus Schroeder as he was reading from the Bible. One officer was recorded aggressively pulling a microphone out of his hands and walking him away in handcuffs. Nick Prowell, another young Christian, was detained and removed from the venue, but later released with a warning. Jason Storms, who recorded the viral video, said in remarks provided to the Sentinel that the young people who attended Mercy Seat Christian Church in Brookfield, Wisconsin, were some of more than 200 individuals from various groups assembled to protest the drag show. The police, per orders from city leaders, arrested several young people. Three were arrested earlier in the day while inside the park praying and talking to attendees and then released with warnings, said Storms, who serves as minister of evangelism at Mercy Seat Christian Church. It was open to the public. Thus, the public's right to free speech carries with them. One was arrested later in the day for preaching on the public sidewalk outside the venue and is being charged with unlawful use of sound amplification and resisting arrest. Schroeder said in an interview with the Sentinel that the incident has encouraged him and his fellow church members towards further boldness. 
noting that the fight's not going to go away. It was worth it. It's actually an honor to be counted worthy to stand with the cloud of witnesses who have gone before us and been arrested for the sake of spreading Christ and his kingdom, he said. If the police wanted to try and set an example for others or anything like that, the only thing I've seen is actually the exact opposite, where more and more people are seeing the severity of what's going on and being called to more action. So there's definitely more in that article that we can get to as uh, as we go through our discussion here. But uh, um, when I first saw this, I thought it was interesting because this seems to be a trend right now. It seems like more and more the First Amendment is under attack. Uh, now, of course, we can get into the nitty gritty of uh, whether or not the protesters should have been there, whether or not they should have been using amplification and all the the technical aspects of this case. But either way, this is not the first time that uh, individuals have been arrested for preaching, specifically uh, when it comes to pride events and drag shows. Um, there was recently another man that was arrested in Pennsylvania underneath a similar circumstance. Uh, he was not using amplification, though. So, you know, again, that uh, is kind of interesting how that was the cause of the arrest in this incidence, although there was no warning given. At least that's what uh, the individuals who were arrested say. Um, so it's pretty interesting to see just the fact that this is becoming a trend in general. There was another man in Franklin, Tennessee that was arrested under uh, similar circumstances. I believe he was just wearing a shirt with scripture on it. So anyways, the whole thing is just really interesting to see, and I thought it'd be a great uh, uh, conversation starter. So, Haley, I'll turn it to you for your initial reaction on this article. Um, yeah, so when I when I first read it, that was my my first thought was, okay, so this is a, you know, mainly around the amplification issue, and it makes me wonder, had they not used, you know, the, I guess it was a like a big speaker and a microphone, had they not used that, I mean, I, I would like to see how that actually played out. Is it because of, you know, the the decibel level? Like what, how, I would like to know further details on the actual arrest itself. You know, if they hadn't used that, would the same thing have happened? Um, like you said, there's a lot of other uh, incidences where there wasn't any kind of, you know, speakers used or megaphones or things like that. And they were arrested for far less. Um, but it's interesting. I'm sure that going into these kind of events, you know, these uh, police and security, whoever is, you know, uh, doing the security at the event uh, has a little powwow on what's going to be acceptable and what's not. And for that, you know, amount of time, it seems like they really get a lot of leeway where as if, if the roles were reversed, I don't think we would see so much of that. We don't see much of that. You know, if there were Christian events and it got bombarded or um, like with the moms for Liberty, uh, their conference with, you know, there was just a street of people with signs and screaming and yelling the entire time. And, there weren't a bunch of people arrested from that. They used all kinds of amplification methods and whatnot. So I would like to know more details on it, and I hope more comes out so we can see exactly what you know the arrest says uh, when it comes to that amplification issue. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see as the story develops what kind of uh, new details were given, if if any. We'll see uh, how transparent this story ends up becoming. But Andrew, I wanted to turn it to you for your initial reaction as well. I'd love to have these young guys in my church. That would be my first statement. Mm. It's a public park. This is kind of in your face and it's happening everywhere, but it's a public park. I've had major events, uh, authorized events, church events in parks uh, where we fed people, where we had medical available, all of that kind of stuff. And people are blasting music all through the park it's amplified it, it disrupt everything that we do so this is kind of, in my view 
I'd like to know who these city leaders are because I would like to know, is that the mayor? Is that the city council? Who's making the decision of that arrest? The other thing is it says more than 12 uh, policemen were there or police women were there. That's, you know, for three guys or whatever it was. I also would like to know where the pastor is because mm. um, I would have, if I was doing this and these guys, one guy was on staff and they, I'm sure they talked to the pastor that they were going to do this. If not, um, I, I think the pastors have to go down to where these city leaders are and have a big talk with them because really you can't, you can't isolate an event in a park, in my view. They had it uh, blocked off. They did a lot of different stuff. In Arizona, we, uh, I don't think that could ever happen. I grew up in Seattle, so, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there as well. But I, I, right. I think this is really not a good situation. I think there should be some legal action to try to stop this stuff. Ultimately, it seems like the article doesn't give us a whole lot of information. There, there's questions left yet undiscovered as far as what was the severity of their, you know, the, the megaphones, their, their disruption of what was going on. But undeniably, like you said, Andrew, there was a pretty significant police presence. The presence and for a public event, you know, usually a, a large public event like that, you'd think it's endorsed by the city and is that what's going on here or are they saying that there's a, a public endorsement which clearly you know there's protesters how is it that protesters don't get turned away when they want to stand outside barnum and bailey and scream about murdering animals which is not taking place at barnum and bailey circuses but that's just one example i mean there have been protesters for chick-fil-a of all things for saying they support the family model so there's there's certainly protesters in every direction that are usually left alone as long as they can maintain somewhat of peaceable conduct. So what I want to know is what what further details were omitted from this this article that could help us understand better why the police and law enforcement felt that they needed to take some sort of action. Also, yeah. I'd like to know what was going on in this drag show. Oh. What kind of sexual things were going on normally you know it's not i think it in the article actually it says um, that there was that going on which is very typical mm -hmm. in these drag shows you know in arizona if parents uh expose children to pornography you could take the children out of the home mm -hmm. and this kind of thing is a public demonstration let's say, say example when we used to have these events in parks churches um if a drunk guy comes in the park and drops his pants or starts doing all kinds of crazy stuff he's gonna he's gonna be arrested you can't you you just can't do that in public so that's right. where i'm uh, i think at least what i saw in the article is that there were a lot of sexual stuff or at least demonstration of sexual stuff involved in this drag show so i think it's it's really an issue of I think it even mentions that um, they were being exposed to sexual um, exploitation. Well, supposedly, supposedly the kids were being given dollar bills to tuck into yeah. these mm -hmm. gentlemen's yeah, exactly. lingerie, which is a disturbing yeah. notion, no matter how you paint it. Well, and there and was some photos circulating as well, showing some of the 
horribly scantily clad individuals as well. But go ahead, Haley. I was going to say during Pride Month, I remember seeing a video um, and I can't remember what city it was in, but someone had called the police station and asked them, like, what are the rules with this? I just walked down the street, you know, and there's guys that are showing themselves off and you know, body parts flying all over the place. And there's kids everywhere. What is that not illegal? And the cop told him, like, we have, you know, certain things that we can do and can't do right now, things that we're going to enforce and that we're not going to, uh, you know, basically look over uh, during Pride Month. I'll have to find it. The other yeah. thing is, this is a magnet for pedophiles. I oh, mean, yeah. these kinds of these kinds of events draws all kinds of pedophiles, especially. And so, you know, one of the things that I want to look at when I get into the house is the legal liability that these events, whoever's putting them on, whether it's a government or any private organization, should be li uh, legally liable if anything happens with pedophiles or with something happens to these kids, even though the parents are exposing them. I think once there's legal liability, a lot of times these lawyers will tell them not to uh, put on these events. So I think we have to go that route. We have to stop because obviously the city leaders authorized this to happen. And so right. I think that it really has to be taken uh, and, and approached legally and to stop this stuff because this is there's nothing that gets me more riled up than the exposure of sexual exploitation of children. And even here in Arizona, with an open border, children are being trafficked by the thousands. They're yep. coming through. If you come to the border and you have children, you're automatically let into the country. But they never ask if these children are, are the, the adults' mm -hmm. children. In other words, if the, a lot of these adults are not the parents. They're just, bring, you know, taking, bringing children, street children through the border so they can get in. And then they're trafficked as soon as they get in. And so, you know, uh, D.C., they say they've lost track of thousands and thousands of children. So this, to me, is one of the plights really uh, on America right now. And if we, we need to really stop it. Yeah, I completely agree. I wanted to go ahead and pull up the video of the arrest just to give us more context of what it looks like here. I didn't have it queued up earlier, but I've got it now. So let's go ahead and uh, play it for the audience to see, and we'll get you guys' reactions. Serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Hey, hey what are you doing? What is the problem? Uh, I am on vacation. What are you doing? What's wrong with you? What are you doing? That doesn't have my hand. You didn't give him any warning. You just grabbed the mic. Well, this is the same one that we had in here. Yeah, that was in there. It was not over here. What is wrong with you? What are you doing? You didn't give him any warning. Let it go. You guys have been warned. They said we can, have, we, can, they said we can speak out here on the sidewalk freely. You can speak, but there's no amplified device. Nobody told us that. What are you doing? Nobody told me that. That's wrong for the first place. How come there's no amplification? Hey, you guys are acting like thugs, man. You're acting like straight up thugs. Hey, you're 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 taking away my property. He has every right to be out here engaging in speech. He has every right to be out here engaging in speech. There's cars driving by with their radios playing. That's amplified sound. People are standing out here with radios. That's amplified sound. The ordinance has to do with a decibel gauge. You don't just get to pick and choose which amplification you like and which you don't. That's selective enforcement of the law. That's discrimination on the basis of speech. 
That's what you all just did. Content-based discrimination based on speech. Walk away. Because you know you just did wrong. And there we have it. What I find interesting about that video in particular is just the amount of police officers that were <laughs> that were uh, engaged in that activity. I mean, what was that? Probably about a good 10 on one side of the fence, another 10 to arrest the, the one like probably 18 year old, 18 year old man. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was just ridiculous to see. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, you can see in that moment, at least, you know, unless there's prior context, which, of course, I'm always willing to correct myself if we find a additional context, you know, down the road um, leading up to this event. But it does seem as though um, immediately the cop grabbed the microphone without any warning uh, to the individual. And what I thought was interesting, too, is uh, um, the young man that was actually preaching was not actually preaching down fire and brimstone. I believe he was preaching somewhere in Galatians. So it's kind of interesting as well that it wasn't necessarily this uh, um, super spicy <laughs> verse being being uh, um, thrown into the microphone there. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that whole thing is 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 wild. But uh, um, feel free, any of you, to share your thoughts after getting a little bit more context with the video. In the article, there was mention of uh, one of the charges against one of the guys that was arrested for resisting arrest. Is that what we just witnessed was him arrested? That was what resisting? you witnessed was him questioning why they were grabbing the microphone and not letting go of it. And I guess, I guess you could say he didn't immediately go limp when they tried to put his, his hands behind his back. But I think that was a pretty poor excuse to say that that was resisting arrest compared to, you know, what we ideally think of when you hear the term resist arrest. Well, he didn't really put up a fight. He just held on to the materials that belonged to him, seemingly. What do you think, Haley? I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that he tries to sue or at least gets to the bottom of this because it seems, you know, something's definitely off here. But at the very beginning, he said, or in, in the middle, he said something about how this wasn't the first time or that he had, the cop was talking to the kid and said, no, this guy before. So I don't know if something happened earlier that we just didn't see. And and obviously these are good kids. They weren't going around, you know, tearing things up and being hateful. Um, but it sounds like the cop was already annoyed. He probably didn't want to be there and didn't want to have to enforce, um, you know, the rights of, of the drag show for that matter. We don't know, you know, but I, I think there's a lot more to the story that we just, we don't know yet. There's got to be more to it than just this. Yeah. Unfortunately, we'll probably never, never fully know, mm -hmm. but I, I did want to use this as a, as a kind of launching pad into this next story here. Um, because this is kind of, of a similar vein in terms of uh, um, it, it has to do with law enforcement. But this is uh, with the Daily Wire. The Illinois governor signs bill allowing foreign nationals to become police officers. Governor J.B. Pritzker signed a bill on Friday that allow foreign nationals in the state to become police officers. The bill, which was opposed by some police groups, including the Fraternal Order of Police, was one of 130 bills Pritzker signed on Friday. Effective immediately, foreign nationals will now be able to become police officers in the state. The law HB 3751 says that foreign nationals who are legally authorized under federal law to work in the United States or any foreign national who is an individual against whose, whom immigration action has been deferred by the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services under the federal deferred action for childhood arrivals process can apply to become a police officer in the state. 
the Fraternal Order of Police, FOP, condemned the bill earlier this year after it passed in the state house. What message does this legislation send when it allows people who do not have legal status to become the enforcers of our laws, the group said in a statement. This is a potential crisis of confidence in law enforcement at a time when our officers need all the public confidence they can get. During debate on the bill, Illinois State Senate Senator Chaplin Chapin Rose said it would be a fundamental breach of democracy to allow non-citizens to arrest American citizens. It's just a fundamentally bad idea, Rose said in May. I don't care whether it's individuals from Australia. They should not be able to arrest a United States citizen on United States soil. Illinois has been facing shortages of police officers as the state and major metro areas like Chicago have pursued policies largely opposed by police. So it goes on to talk a little bit more about uh, Pritzker and some of the controversial controversial bills that he's signed, but uh, we won't get into all that. I thought it was just interesting in this particular article because we see that so often these blue states will enact this type of legislation and then it gets imported out to the rest of the country. Oftentimes places like New York or Illinois or uh, California are oftentimes uh, the testing grounds for some of these policies. And this is one that I, I know that there are some people here that are DACA recipients that are good individuals and, you know, we can um, recognize that. Um, but regardless, I think uh, Aristotle uh, was the one who said that tyrants will prefer the non-citizen to the citizen. And it just is an interesting idea that you can be an American citizen and potentially get arrested by a non-citizen who potentially, well, I shouldn't say potentially, we pretty much know that they have broken the law in order to even be in America in the first place. So I just think that's really interesting. And of course, uh, with the type of arrest that we just saw in the last story we covered, it doesn't exactly build a lot of confidence when we are thinking about uh, what individuals may be... Uh, enforcing the laws behind the badge but um andrew i'll turn it to you for your initial reaction because you're in arizona and you're looking to run for public office there in arizona and arizona is a state that's uh on the border and is um allowing a lot of these uh, individuals to flood into our country so um your state even though you're uh, looking to be a state senator or excuse me a state uh, uh, representative you really will be affecting a lot of the country with your legislation. So I'd love to hear um, your initial reaction to the article, as well as your thoughts around just this type of legislation in general. Yeah, a couple of things. Um, this article so sounds like they're coming across a real compassionate uh, towards the illegals. But when, when they say their status is deferred, well, that's almost every illegal. Or, or, you know, it can be years, so that depends on what you, you state there. But it's really the failure of the government to establish their, their police departments. So really, they're doing this because of their own failure. And the other thing is that I, I would probably bring up is I'm not sure there, there's a lot of violence there. I mean, a lot of the reason there's shortage of policemen is, is because they are put out there and um, in really dangerous situation, violent situations, shootings, that kind of thing. So that's why they're, they're you know, they're losing a lot of police officers. Um, but if something, it's, you know, we sound like, well, arresting an American citizen, but what if one of these officers are shot? I'm not sure they'll have legal status in the mm -hmm. courts because they're not citizens. And I know in Arizona, um, there's real 
uh, restrictions on any legal illegals in our court systems and what they're able to uh, accomplish through 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 a, a trial. So I, I'm interested in you're putting these people out really in violent situations, especially in Chicago. And uh, and then I'm not you're kind of just using them, really, in my view. But obviously, I'm against uh, having illegals because doing this kind of work um, is, you know, to me, it's unconstitutional. I don't see how they, they can uphold this. Otherwise, you can say they could be a mayor. Right. Or they can do all kinds of, you know, if it's just an issue of their they have a green card or something. But um, really, I think a lot of these people are just illegal and their their cases are being deferred. They're years before they can get their, uh, you know, a hearing. Right. Yeah. Haley, what was your initial reaction? I mean, he really hit all the points that I was going to make. You know, Chicago, <laughs> America in general has sort of lost um, their respect for the police department for several different reasons, especially within the last several years, you know, from uh, the summer of love and all that. Um, so it's interesting to see that they, I, it must be what he said, that there's just not enough people willing or, and interested to take on that position. So it's uh, it's wild to me that they can even do this, that they can bring legals in and just say, sure, here, now you can, uh, you know, protect and serve. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I hadn't heard about this, so this is new to me. But yeah, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. Larry for Tennessee on Rumble said, this is part of the plan to usurp the liberty of the citizens. Tennessee tried this, HB 0765, introduced in the House by Rep. Jason Powell and a companion bill, SB 1012, introduced by Senator Stephen Dickerson, would permit any permanent legal resident of the United States who is an honorable discharge veteran of the U.S. Armed Forces to be em employed as a police officer. So it's interesting because, like I said, they they try to import this stuff um, from these blue states. Um, Grammy for Truth on YouTube said that is highly suspicious. This will open the door for foreign police forces on our soil, such as CCP. I bet it has nothing to do with shortage. And the reality is, Grammy for Truth, it probably does have to do with shortage. But I mean, either way, they're going to use it. If they have an excuse, they're going to use the excuse. Um, now, I mean to your point about the CCP specifically, we have discovered that there are uh, CCP police forces basically operating as foreign police forces already in, um, in areas of the country right now. That's been discovered um, on more than one occasion at this point. So it's, it's all pretty wild in general, but Michael, I, I know you've been quiet on this one, so feel free to jump in. At the risk of sounding in opposition to everything that's been said, which I very rarely take that stance. Uh, there was some, I thought, contradiction in the article where what was quoted from HB 3751, the actual legislation, was saying that, that the individuals that are eligible for the position in police are legally authorized under federal law to work in the United States or, like I mentioned, part of the DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Now, I thought it was interesting what Andrew mentioned a moment ago about the legality aspect of if an officer gets shot, what are their rights going to be in the legal system? That's the most compelling argument that I've heard thus far. But the other concerns that I have, and even what, what Larry was mentioning in the chat, 
why do we have a problem allowing a permanent resident to be in law enforcement if we don't have a problem with them going overseas and dying for our liberties? I think that's an issue that I have. Moreover, when a non-citizen is in the United States under a legal status, presumably they have abided by all laws necessary with the Department of Homeland Security and are bound by the same laws that any citizen is bound by. So my question is, like, if they're bound by the same laws, what excludes them from having any authority to preserve those laws in the public forum? Yeah. Well, I think you're you're right in some cases, but again, um, bound by laws. But the the reality is, this is a failure of government. It's not the police fault. It's just the shortage of the the situation uh, of how they're allowing the violence to go on. In other well, words, I definitely so agree. I agree that it's, it's the previous legislation that's caused the shortage and. Yeah, decentivized individuals who are citizens from wanting to be in law enforcement. Yeah, but this opens the door to bringing in foreign foreigners. It doesn't have to be illegals coming across the border or or whatever. They can start giving green cards and bringing people in to be police. It's a real dangerous because police really are supposed to represent the community. It's almost yes. like a jury. Otherwise, you're bringing in illegals to be on juries, for example. Um, so I think that I'm all, I have compassion for the people in these situations. You know, I, I really do. And, uh, I, I know a lot of illegals, um, I'm being in Arizona, of course, you're around them a lot. So I really understand, uh, the compassionate side, but this isn't compassion. This isn't, this sounds like, oh, they're having compassion for these illegals. And trying to provide them jobs. No, they're just really covering their own failures. And, and that's what I see um, as well. Is it's not necessarily compassionate to the individuals that will take the jobs. It's more compassionate to themselves who need the jobs to be filled. That's what seems like the motivation but, but, to me. But you're putting them at legal, you, you know, you, yeah. you really put them at a major risk. Because yeah. if something happens to them, their family has no recourse. In a legal, in a, I, I don't believe anyway, that's Arizona. There's legal restrictions on the rights of anyone in a court, you know, as it relates, to, especially if they're illegals. So it says federal law authorized by federal law. I'm not sure what is what they're referring to. Is that do any of you guys know? My guess. I mean, it be, sounds good, but well, yeah. what does it mean? My guess would be employment sponsorship and the sponsorship could either be through an H-1B visa, which I doubt would be taking place. That'd be up to the state, of course or otherwise sponsoring the permanent residency the because usually typically like you know andrew in, in a lot of the cases of those illegal immigrants they apply for permanent residency and are rejected or postponed indefinitely so if this was a means by which applicants for permanent residency could be expedited that'd be a different conversation for sure but that's not explicitly said in this article yeah, but most of them are claiming asylum, right? These uh, illegals would have to be claiming asylum. So we're saying, you know, in Arizona, well, I would say at least 95% of them are not asylum cases. Mm. Uh, I don't even yeah. think it'd be argued asylum cases. My guess would be as so, their DACA status. 
Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't see, I think it's, I don't know, but um, anyway, I think that um, I, th- these will have, this will happen in big cities like DC and Chicago and because they, they've, they're failed, failed cities. So they have to find some solution. This will never happen in Arizona, even though we have a lot of illegals coming in. Yeah. I think the push may be to get it in Arizona eventually though. I think uh, places like Maricopa would probably be pushed to try to implement this stuff, uh, you know, through um, Katie Hobbs would probably love to sign a bill like that. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. One of the reason I'm I'm running is that most people don't know this. We're really at a crisis point because even though we're put up as a major, I mean, whoever wins Arizona in the presidential presidential run is going to win. I mean, they need it, whoever it is. But in in the legislature, I think we're one. uh, The the Republicans have a majority of one in the House and I think two in the Senate. If that switches, if that flips in 2024 with Katie Hobbs as governor, they'll pass anything. You're right. They'll pass anything. But it's uh, so we're, we're really at a crisis point in Arizona. Yeah. And unfortunately, those midterms did not go as uh as we had hoped in fact i did actually reach out to um a bunch of individuals that i know from arizona and and i asked them um i let them know that a potential representative would be on the show and i asked them what their uh big concerns were and they had uh they had three main issues that kept coming up inflation the border and election integrity so, I mean, I'm curious, Andrew, um, because obviously you're you're running and, and you saw a lot of what happened in the midterms. Um, what's your take on some of the the craziness of the elections and everything that's been going on in Arizona and Maricopa mm-hmm. specifically? Yeah, well, one of the things in the midterms, which I was very involved in, I don't know if you saw any of my Twitter spaces. I used, I've interviewed all the politicians for a couple of years now, but. The issue for Arizona is very independent people and they don't like, you know, kind of authoritarian style. And unfortunately, when we got to the general and we had uh, some mega folks, they began to become come across uh, not the, the policies were no problem, but it was the style which they came across. And that really hurt us um, in the election as it relates to Maricopa County and elections. You know, Maricopa County's, I don't, I don't know what it's growing by, 100,000 a year or something like that. I mean, it's crazy. It's one of the fastest and, growing counties. I know that in the entire nation. Yeah, so. where I live is part of Maricopa County. Maricopa County needs to be split up in three counties. At least. And it's <laughs> going to be it's going to be L.A. County. It'll be King County. It'll be these these kind of counties. They function as a state within a state. They're so big. They have that. And Phoenix is part of that. And so um, I think it's incompetence. Most of the election issues that happened in Maricopa County were incompetence. And I tell you, the larger it grows and the larger the government grows, the more incompetent they're going to become. So, you know, we're really at a point where election integrity is, is really crucial. Um, but it's, it's also the reality that you're having government trying to run these elections that just don't have the capability of handling so many people 
in an election. So they're running him like a, five years ago with a, you can't with so many, you know, such an increase of population. So we're really, again, I do agree that that and the border adds to it. You know, Arizona is very concerned about the border situation and we're kind of helpless. There's hardly, you know, there isn't much we can do because it's a federal issue. So um, except internally, you know, we can force them out of Arizona. And that's what's beginning to happen, really. Some of the crackdown that we've had in the, the years past, the the illegals are, are getting out of Arizona and they're going in other places in the U.S. Yeah, unfortunately, that is very true. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is is wild. I think I think something that's interesting. Uh, Larry actually, I think, said something uh, along this line in the chat here. Uh, Larry said, uh, "Certainly true about uh, legal residents." Uh, this is to your point, Michael. Uh, he s- said, "However, it does boil down to dual loyalty. Everybody that serves in the armed forces has the ability to become citizens, swearing an oath to the Constitution, and so specifically to." to swear in the oath to the constitution, you know, the more that we have these individuals who come into the country, even legally, um, you know, there's still something to be said about whether or not we want individuals who are non-citizens to be in some of these roles. Um, and beyond whether or not we want them to be in some of these roles. Um, ultimately, if there's not proper mechanisms in place for the enforcement to, uh, be done properly, um, you know, selective enforcement was the term that uh, the individual used in that uh, video of the young man being arrested for preaching um, at the drag show. Selective enforcement is uh, is an interesting idea in general. Um, and w- when you think about someone who being a non-citizen having the power for selective enforcement, that's where things seem to get really dicey. Um, I mean, I want to bring you in on this a little bit more, Haley, but uh, it seems like the defund the police movement was not uh, necessarily because they just wanted police to be defunded and gone forever. I think it really was a matter of uh, removing uh, a police officer that is familiar with your community and that is a um, local name in the community and replacing that with someone who maybe does not have loyalty to the area in which they're actually policing. I mean, am I am I off on that? I mean, that's sort of what I'm thinking too. Yeah. I mean, if you, I can remember growing up and seeing, you know, police officers and stuff, and it was a good thing. They were very friendly and would come up to you, especially in a smaller town, you know, you got to know people and um, everybody knew everybody kind of situation where everybody, you know, was aware of who that was. They were in your neighborhoods all the time. It wasn't something where you were afraid of the police or, um, you know, uh, you were sketched out that they were around. It wasn't anything like that. So yeah, it's probably, you know, it to break up any relationship like that where there's a trust issue because that's just it. With the police, there's a power dynamic there. They do have a lot more power than the regular individual. Um, so it's important to have the trust of the people that you're serving. So yeah, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with it. I think there's a, a you know an underlying Marxist you know <laughs> uh, undercurrent there too. Um, but yeah, you know, breaking up that relationship. Uh, is the first step, I would think, you know, when you lose trust in something like that, you know, everything else sort of falls apart from there. Yeah. I think this is also strategic. These cities are doing this strategically because once they become police officers, which is a 
major step. They're going to be given the vote. They're going to be allowed to vote. They're going to be able to run for office. It's just a stepping stone. It's a strategic stepping stone for these major cities. We saw it in D.C. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's all moving in that direction in these major cities. And so I think um, I'm not even sure this will be upheld, but it came through the legislature. I mean, the mayor signed it, but it passed the legislature. So, you know, it's it's pretty crazy that uh, they're going this way. But I'm, I'm telling you, it's a strategic move to allow them next step will be, oh, they're police officers. Look what they've done. Let's give them the vote and also let them run for office. Yeah. So I don't see how they can stop that if they're going to allow them to be pleased. Yep. Non-citizens already granted the right to vote in certain elections in New York, I believe, as yeah, well. Local, um, local yeah. elections, yeah. Yeah. Once upon a reset on YouTube said, uh, Cloward Piven strategy seeks to hasten the fall of capitalism by overloading the government bureaucracy with a flood of impossible demands, thus pushing society into crisis and economic collapse. There we go. It kind of is uh, along the lines of what you were saying, Andrew. It, it does seem like it is by design. Oh, we have a few people on Rumble as well. Freely Ashley wanted to say hi. And uh, Hidden Angel says, not sure foreigns in armed services is good either. We had spies in the Navy. Yeah, exactly. It just boils down to that dual loyalty. And um, I think you're absolutely onto something with that, Andrew. I think it's just a... Uh, going to become a talking point you know they're already risking their lives they're putting their lives on the line for us so why shouldn't they have the right to vote exactly that'll be the narrative mm-hmm. yeah 100 well speaking of narratives i want to jump into our next story because uh this uh this is a narrative that's for sure um on transgenderism as a whole caitlin jenner caitlin jenner this is her tweet that went viral on twitter she said my dad stormed the beaches of normandy and survived I became the world's greatest athlete in our bicentennial and was the first person in the world to put up our flag. Why? Because I love America. Meanwhile, Ron paints me as a deviant in society. Go home, Governor Ron DeSantis. So I wanted to bring up this tweet, not necessarily to focus in on everything from Ron DeSantis to the the um, the 2024 primary as much as to focus in on what Caitlin said there because... Caitlin said um, that Ron DeSantis is, is is painting Caitlin as a deviant. And I think that is interesting because ultimately Caitlin has marketed has has been marketed as a Republican conservative individual. But of course, Caitlin is one of the first individuals to embrace transgenderism and really make it a public spectacle. Um so what's interesting here is this is kind of one of those moments where we sort of do a purity test, not because we like purity tests, but because we have to ask ourselves, where do we draw the line as a movement, as a party, um, so on and so forth? Who is a an ally versus a co-belligerent? Um, and that's what I wanted to explore a little bit. And Haley obviously has a lot of uh, a lot of work in this area specifically. She was uh, on the... Uh, very popular What is a Woman documentary. Um, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your involvement in that, Haley, as well as your uh, reaction to Caitlin's tweet. But I really do think What is a Woman is one of the um, the largest 
game changers that we've seen in terms of shifting the narrative in favor towards uh, what we would call team sanity. But um, go ahead and give us your initial reaction there, Haley. Well, I'm, I'm really honored to have been a part of it. It was a, an interesting few months going, <laughs> working on that film. I learned a lot from it, but um, I agree. I think that it, you know, it was the film itself was basically just letting them speak and asking them, you know, questions to try to uh, defend their stance. Um, so I, I've had so much hate since then. I mean, it's been incredible. But um, as far as Caitlin goes, <laughs> you know, I have to draw a line because being conservative is is a pretty simple concept in my opinion and i think that people can vote however they want to vote um i don't you know a lot of people argue that you know we should bring over everybody bring over anybody and everybody that you can to vote you know on our, our right of center um and that's fine they can vote however they want to vote but propping someone up who is trans and saying this is one of the faces of the conservative movement and wheeling them out on stage and bringing them out to different conferences and things like that. I, I have no interest in that. I have zero respect for that. Um, that he does not represent anything uh, conservative in my opinion. If he agrees with, you know, I'll, I don't know, a broken clock is right twice a day, right? That's fine. But I don't think he's someone that needs to represent uh, the conservative movement. Uh, personally, I don't have any respect for it at all. He has such a huge, or at the time, and I'm sure still does have, you know, millions of followers and people that look up to him and young men and women for that matter, athletes that looked up to him and wanted to, you know, worked out every single day or, you know, ran track, did all, you know, trying to be like Bruce Jenner and for him to have such a huge platform and just all of a sudden one day, and I want to look, be happy, do your own thing. You know, if that's, but it shouldn't be this is your entire identity and and you know doing press tours and walking in heels i'm not here for any of that and he doesn't represent um what i believe in so I, you know i have really i sort of have sort of pushed him off to the side i mean as soon as i saw them start wheeling him out and putting him on the cover of all these different magazines and you know i was already burnt out with it but i don't know i just think there's a lot more really you know wonderful men people um, athletes even that could represent the conservative movement besides a trans person. So no, thanks for me. <laughs> Andrew, what was your initial reaction to Caitlin's tweet? I don't know what Ron said, you know, I don't know what he's, he's responding to, but he wraps himself in the flag. So, uh, he talks about his dad. Well, my, my dad was a Marine in World War II as well. That doesn't make me a good person. And the whole idea of being a great athlete, there's many great athletes that where, you know, live terrible lives. So being an athlete is not any kind of, uh, you know, issue on the moral issue, bringing morality to the person. So I think instead of dealing with the whole reality of his own condition, trying to argue bringing an argument in for morality an objective morality uh you know he just wraps himself on the flag and i agree what the, the fact that that conservative movements are, are you know being being taken by this i mean if if conservative viewpoint is 
simply because the guy's holding a flag, that means nothing. Um, and that was a long time ago, you know, that he, he did that. So, you know, to me, his father doesn't have any reflection on his own moral character or being a great athlete or holding up the flag at that time. That was what they did back then. That was a, that, you know, that's not a moral statement per se. And I agree that the conservative movement is with related to him is being taken in my view. And we, we really have to be careful if we don't have a, an objective moral standard of what is right and wrong, then, uh, you know, we just we, we've lost that to me, that's at the core of conservative thought. Uh, otherwise, we talking about these drag shows, you know, so what these they're going to bring up their father fighting in World War Two as well. You know, so um, I agree. We really need to be careful as a conservative movement. Otherwise, um, we're going to be undermined. And uh, I think that we have to have, again, a moral object, uh, morality, not just experience or feelings or those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, I agree. is exactly right. The, the merit of an individual is not measured by their perceived patriotism, but by the ideologies that they promote. So mm -hmm. the artist formerly known as Bruce being a representation of the United States what, 30 years ago, uh, maybe more, is not any indication of their dedication to the Constitution, to truth. I mean, clearly there's a skewed right. perception of truth. Like, Andrew, you're saying a, a, an objective reality of truth has, it's long gone for most of the country, and we espouse ourselves, I say we, I mean, the American people tend to lean towards relative morality and no longer base ourselves in an absolute authority of, of truth and of what is good and what is evil, what is moral, which we find in scripture. I, I think many conservatives are called by the left, these Christian nationalists and white conservatives, whatever, we like to have all these names, as if conservatism is 100% aligned with Christianity, which I don't think it is entirely. Right. There's a lot more to being a Christian than voting Republican. There's a lot, a lot more to being conservative than voting Republican as well. But if, if Bruce, the Caitlyn Jenner wants to vote for Donald Trump, then they have every right to do so. And he clearly has a huge following and a lot of influence. I mean, he's the first guy to be woman of the year. So that's a lot of achievement. <laughs> and clearly I'm sure he influence. would have. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he would advocate, too, with biological men uh, competing in women's sports. Actually, like, I think he's I against know. it. I, I yeah. think he was against that. it as well. He yeah, believe it or that. not. Which yeah. is where the well, inconsistencies come through. Right. Well, he did it. He did it then if he was... Uh, transgender back when he when he was an athlete he's he, playing both he's, sides he, yeah it's um, you know i i don't know well, he's he's a product this, of a generation it, that still holds on to a lot of those conservative values and i think he's trying to reconcile the newness of his progressive actions as a woman 
and reconcile that with the traditional values that he was raised up with, undoubtedly by his father, who served our country well. Do you know what uh, Ron DeSantis, does anyone know what Ron DeSantis, what he's responding to, to Ron DeSantis? Because I don't think I've heard Ron DeSantis say that. I don't remember what the in, a original uh, thing that Caitlin was responding to exactly was, but I believe I saw an ad uh, that was from the Ron DeSantis campaign that was kind of trying to paint Trump as being to the left of Ron DeSantis. And I believe um, Trump's embracing of Caitlyn Jenner was uh, kind of the focal point of that ad. Uh, I could be wrong about that. So anyone in the chat, um, you know, feel free to fact check me on that. But I think that was an ad that I saw that was from DeSantis' campaign. Um, and so that may have been what was initially getting Caitlyn to get on Twitter and react. I think he needs to see what is a woman. That would be somebody send that to him. Yeah, I think sure. he does too. Yeah. What's that? I said I think he does too. Yeah. Well, yeah. tell us more about that, Haley, because obviously that is a movie that caused a lot of uh, a lot of talk um, on both sides of the aisle, uh, for good or or bad. Um, but I mean, I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, first and foremost. I mean, how does it feel knowing that you were a part of what was probably the biggest project from the right in terms of shifting a narrative in real time? Well, like I said, I was very lucky to be a part of it. It was a lot of fun to do. Um, I love working on films. I worked in post-production. So what I, I, you know, sort of got, I would be told, okay, you know, this section of the film, we're looking for this or that. And I would go and scout different clips and different uh, media sources um, and, and, you know, sort of push up to my editor who would then decide, you know, what, what would make the cut sort of, um, but that, I mean, that's a lot of fun too, but it's, you know, it's staring too long into the abyss kind of thing. I did that for, you know, sometimes 14, 16 hours a day. And all I'm looking at is this nonstop. And I'm looking at, you know, these injuries, these mutilations to bodies, and I'm watching the social contagion, especially during COVID you know, when everybody was sort of locked in their house and antisocial and people were going online to look for certain communities to uh, help affirm their um, mental illness, delusions, you know, however you, unstableness, however you want to put it. But um, that was interesting to see, you know, sort of evolve. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot of fun to work on. Um, and I, I don't think any of us really had any idea the, uh, amount of well like i said you get it from both sides like as as much praise as we get for it the hates there too i mean it's pretty bad from the other side they, they aren't happy about it at all but like i said there was nothing that you know it was just a very simple tell us about yourself tell us you know how do you feel about this this and this and having these doctors on you know and say yeah I, you know these kids they get these surgeries and they can never reproduce you know we stop their hormone you know stop their puberty with uh hormones and there there's no argument there that it's just that and they can't even back up their own arguments you know there was an article that came out um a couple weeks ago where they uh, i think it was nbc where a couple of the people you know were like oh we can't believe how we were portrayed in the film and it's like it was your own words. You were asked right. direct questions <laughs> about your life and your beliefs and your lifestyle. And these were your answers. So it's like, you can't backtrack it now. What a year later, like why now? So anyway, it was a lot of fun and I'm, I'm very proud to have been a part of it, honored to be a part of it. Um, 
I, I hope that it's an evergreen film that will uh, continue to affect more lives and wake people up. That was the point. I really do hope that it um, drives a lot of people to be more informed and if not to at least dig deeper and ask questions um, about the entire yeah. movie. I'm really encouraged by the new documentaries like What's a Woman, but also what it was a call to freedom. Um, some Sound really of freedom, quality. Yeah. Sound of freedom. I'm really, I really encouraged by the quality that's starting to come out, and I hope to see more because they have a major impact. Um, I just saw uh, the Essential Church. I thought it was well done. Mm. You know, uh, there there was a lot of issues brought up, kind of the insides that there's there needs to be a lot of discussion discussion among the church. A lot of Christian leaders need to uh, reevaluate things. So I thought. I, I'm just encouraged by some of the quality that we're seeing. Yeah, I agree. It's been awesome to see kind of uh, we've we've covered it a lot on the show. A lot of people reclaiming the culture um, that have more uh, uh, conservative beliefs and um, or at least just non woke beliefs, uh, which is already a step in the right direction compared to a lot of the stuff that's coming out of Hollywood right now. Um, hey, they wanted to ask you because you, you said how uh, you think that Caitlin needs to see what is a woman have any prominent individuals such as Caitlin have, have you gotten a lot of feedback from like those individuals, anyone that's maybe been swayed by the film in any way? No, 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 it's, wow. it's, I've had a lot of, like I'm on a blocked list on Twitter, but as soon as it came out, it's funny because I'll run up on a couple of, I'll hear, you know, somebody say, Oh, well, you know, look, so-and-so said this and I'm like, who? And I go to look, and it's a trans person and I'm blocked and I'm like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. You know, every, you know, I guess my name or anybody that was involved in the film, we got put on a block list. So there's like a whole section of Twitter that's gone through and reported us and, you know, blocked us from um, Twitter. So no, I mean, personally, I've not had anybody reach out and say, well, this was impactful as far as any, you know, a, some, someone like him um, or of that status. Um, no. It's interesting. Um, actually, I haven't heard him say anything about it, but I don't follow Bruce Jenner, so I don't right. know. He, maybe he did say something, but I haven't heard it. Right, right. It is just interesting how you want to occupy that uh, sort of space in the, um, I guess we'll call it the Republican movement because it's not conservatism, but you know, to, to occupy the space of sort of being the the transgender figurehead of the of the right side of the political aisle. And to yeah, see no. what is a woman, there's no way Bruce didn't hear about what is a woman, you know. For sure. Um, but I wonder how he'd claim it. Yeah, he doesn't. He's out for himself. He doesn't his care. Moment. They don't care. Exactly. Yeah, he's he riding this movement, and he's on the top of it. I don't know if he was, you know, just around the Kardashians for too long and saw the attention that they were getting, and were like, "Oh, well, you know, here I am. I'm, I'm burnt out." And I don't know. I mean, he could have just. Honestly, I don't, like I said, I don't care how people live their lives as long as it doesn't impact mine and my children's lives. That's fine. I don't, you know, do what you want to do. But when you have so many people that follow you and looked up to you and things like that, that's a big deal. And if you're going to, you can't ride both sides of it. You can't say, you know, this is, these are my beliefs. This is how I feel. This is, you know, and then also walk out on the stage in heels and makeup. It just doesn't, the two, you know, repel each other. <laughs> so, for me, I don't know. I don't have. I've lost a lot of respect for him. Um, yeah, I don't know. The yeah. thing too is what you're saying is 
too many think too many people think they can say don't bother you know as long as they don't bother my family but our culture is bothering our families this exactly. is the thing all our children everything is being targeted to attack the family and so yep. you know for parents children and so it's impossible to be independent any longer or isolated from culture mm -hmm. because it's everywhere unless you know so i'm finding that a lot um people think that they're able to um separate themselves but it's everywhere what we're talking about in the transgender movement is everywhere the schools everywhere even private schools the idea that even if you put your kids into a private school really does not mean they're not they're not teaching that or bringing it bringing it up so you know this is where i think that um especially a lot of christians i find you know or a, a number of christians you know make a dichotomy between the private life and the public life so it's like private christianity right. it, it's permeating the church and that this whole idea is that well a lot of these people that are coming to your church to be discipled are being ripped apart by a culture and if pastoral leaders aren't going out and and uh helping them like you know these young guys i would have liked to see pastoral leaders right alongside them or at least being involved in what was going on i think we need more of that but it's impossible. I, I just say the the Red Sea is parted and you have to choose which side you're going to stand on. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's well said. Yeah, no matter what the cost, because there'll be a cost. Yeah, and that's what the guys who were arrested even said is that I'd gladly do it again and and pay that cost to be arrested or to be persecuted for the faith. And that's the image of but, the disciples that were given. So yeah what i would like to say on that too though i don't want to go back to an old story but you know i don't think they were preaching i mean i think they were just reading the bible from what i could hear yeah but an article will use preaching in a negative way in other mm -hmm. words uh and i didn't see them preaching maybe it's poor preaching or whatever i don't know but uh i don't see that they were preaching and then they brought up the nazis being there you know they're going to discredit them all the way. The other thing I would say, there's going to have to be more um, mentoring of younger people that want to get involved in civil disobedience and involvement like this. There needs to be more training and more mentoring of them because it looked like they went out there kind of on their own. Um, and I don't, I, you know, you, you can expect that the police were going to show up. So uh, I just I just throw that out as something that I think they'd like to see more of is more of the mentoring be, because it's going to lead that way. It's going to lead to to civil disobedience and action and especially with young people there needs to be more mentoring. Yeah. I agree with that completely. We actually had a chat here Grammy for Truth on YouTube said question for the pastor do you think we are entering into the great falling away I don't know if uh by the pastor you were referring to Michael or Andrew but either of you are welcome to uh answer that <laughs> go ahead Michael okay yeah sure I am a pastor um the 
the question I'm assuming is an eschatological question from the perspective of a premillennialist idea. And I know those are some heavy theological words that we're throwing out real quick, but basically there's a perspective in the church, particularly in North America, that's pretty common that things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. That's the end times perspective. So I think that's what Grammy for Truth is is saying here is, is do I think that we're entering the great falling away? Well, I don't know if that's something that I can say with any sort of confidence, but what we have absolute evidence of is that both the church and the the populace at large are rejecting morality. They're rejecting truth. There's a we're leaning away from the truth that God has given to us. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I, I'm not going to stand here and say that the end times are absolutely here right now. And yet we are called to preach as Jesus did repent for the kingdom of heaven is coming soon, coming near. And to that effect, that message was relevant in first century Rome and it is still relevant now. The mm -hmm. kingdom of heaven is near. We are yeah. in a time of suffering and struggle against amoral beliefs that are being forced into our homes and into our children's minds. There is a certain disparage from any righteousness and we are certainly waging a war against mm -hmm. wickedness. But, yeah, I would say, oh, go ahead. Go but ahead. I just, what I would like to say is that that doesn't necessarily mean that the great end times, the, the, the great and horrible day of the Lord, that doesn't mean that that's just around the corner the way that I think a lot of premillennialists would like to think that it is. Because we've seen through history, we also, as we look forward, we want to look backward. And we have been in the past within the past 100 to 200 years, the American society has been a more moral culture than most societies ever have achieved. And now we are declining from that status and entering a depravity that is not uncommon amongst all of world history. I would say that um, his question relates to the collective West. The church is growing around the world unbelievable it's unbelievable and my my focus has been turkey for 30 years the largest growing church in turkey is the iranian church mm. the persian speaking church so the we when we talk about those things we're really talking about the collective west decadence yeah. and falling away of the church but globally it's a whole different thing yeah that's uh, a really good the, distinction and Thank and you. that's why western believers western christians have to be exposed on what's going on in the global christianity because um god is moving greatly the other thing i'll just want to mention i think we're living in a pagan culture so when we look at church history which is my doctorate in that area that um the early church i think the culture of the early church is very common to us today in other words it's very close um and, um, for example, the sexualization of our culture is pagan. All the pagan temples had prostitutes in them, you know, and it's a very, so I would, instead of Marxism, 
I mean, I think that's part of it, but also just pure paganism. That's yeah. just a revival of paganism. And so um, that would be my comment in that. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. And by no means are Marxism and paganism mutually exclusive. They, <laughs> no. They have yeah. a lot of shared ground. Yeah, okay. I agree. Yeah. Well, and of course, you know, just to, to wrap that thought up with a bow on it, 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 whatever whatever you believe in terms of your eschatology it's important to make sure that you are doing what you need to be doing as an individual um you need to be doing good works yourself that the lord has called you to and to make sure that you don't get lazy or complacent um you know oftentimes uh in the west um from a premillennial uh eschatology it's really easy to get lazy because you think oh everything's you know going down the drain and so i you know therefore i'm going to just sit and watch and pray you know come lord jesus and obviously you can pray come lord jesus that's a great prayer to pray but uh sitting and watching and doing nothing is is not a good thing to be doing when the master comes home um so you want to be making sure that you are um discipling and you are um you know you are spreading the gospel um and of course, uh, where you have responsibilities, you want to make sure that you are being a good steward. So um, that being said, I did want to uh, go ahead and wrap up the stream a little bit early. I didn't mention this at the at the front of the stream, but I actually think I may be uh, getting an ear infection. So unfortunately, it has slowly gotten worse as we've sat oh, here discussing no. this. So if I've seen a bit off tonight, maybe that that's what it was. So, um, but either way, um, I'm going to go ahead and try to you know, get some sleep and see if I can knock this thing out, but it's been a great discussion. And I really appreciate both you guys, uh, Haley and Andrew coming on the show and joining us. So I will go ahead and go around the circle here, but Haley, where can people find you? Um, you can find me at lady Kennington on Twitter and there's a link tree in my bio that can take you to other outlets there. Excellent. Andrew, where can people uh, find you to keep up with all you're doing? Andrew Jackson on Twitter. And then if you want to email me, contact at drandrewjackson.com. Contact at drandrewjackson.com. Excellent. And be on the lookout for his campaign and uh, be sure to watch that as he uh, as he goes towards election season. Michael, where can people find you? I am relaxing in anticipation of studying Hebrew for the next few years. <laughs> I've, I've got the alphabet down we're working on some words wow. and getting the syntax ready getting used Excellent. to reading reading right to left right yes yeah i got the greek down we're keeping that fresh that's, and now that's now working on my hebrew awesome well thank you everyone for watching and or listening wherever you find us feel free to join us if you are one of the podcast listeners join us sometime for a monday night stream 8 p.m central on rumble and youtube you can send in your chats and we'll try our best to read them but uh, thank you all we'll see you next time good night